The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is Sunday, September 3rd. Uh, tomorrow's Labor Day. Have a great uh, weekend, to a long weekend to all of you. Um, and camps are coming. The season yeah. is coming. Yeah. This time next month, we will be a week or less away from the start of the season, and I can't wait. I've mostly gotten the bitter taste of the way the Bruins season ended last year out of my mouth. Really? Mostly. How did you pull that off? Um, gargling, um, uh, gargling moonshine. Yeah. Okay, I could see that working, sure. Yeah. I mean, I can't taste anything. I just don't. Uh, that, that taste is mostly gone. I haven't forgiven. I haven't forgiven the Bruins as a whole. I'm not. I'm not laying individual blame on anyone. Uh, is it because Montgomery, as a rookie coach, changed up his tactics with the goaltending? I think that played a part in it. Is it the fact that Patrice was injured? I think that played a part in it. But I don't blame him for playing Patrice in the last game. I mean, it. it there's. There's enough. Uh, there's enough slices in the pie to go around. There Obviously, are. Past, and I mean, you can't fault Bertuzzi for the way he played. Unfortunately, the Bruins couldn't hang on to him. But Bertuzzi played his heart out. Marshawn played fault. his heart out. Hall played his heart out. Hall played his heart out. I mean, but unfortunately, the guys you expected, uh, that being the guys you needed to play well, both physically and mentally, were generally absent. And there were three bigger, biggest, whatever else you want to say, the three biggest culprits were three guys that you can't afford not to be useful. Right. And that was Pasternak, Allmark, and McAvoy, in whichever order you want to stack them. There were mental errors. There were physical errors. There was hubris about the ability to play around health. Hidden. I was going to say hidden, uh, hidden or non-disclosed injuries. But they weren't hidden. We could see that he that Elmar could oh, barely yeah. move. We knew. and that's that's the thing that I put on Montgomery or Sweeney or Neely because if the two of us and at least a quarter of the fans watching can tell that the man is having trouble with lateral movement and getting up off the ice. I think the two guys who spent as long in the NHL as Sweeney and Neely um, should be able to say, yeah, uh, coach, um, you need to think very, very carefully about putting him in again. And yes, I'm pretty sure Sweeney, I'm sure I'm pretty sure Swayman should have made his appearance long before game six. It should have been by game three, the latest period. Just. Yeah. But all that but being I'll... said, all that being said, we do have a new season coming. We do have. Uh, well, there are some things that haven't changed, you know, like, you know, certain teams not having a home still. And project and people making projections that are wildly out of pocket. Um, you told uh, me that it, you told me it would make me laugh, and you were not incorrect. 
There's a lot going on. I like a lot going on. We're not going to be have time to cover all of it. We're going to cover what's most interesting and what we hope you'll enjoy most. Uh, we're going to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to talk about a retirement, a couple of professional tryouts, some of those predictions. We have some women's hockey on the board. Um, but since you mentioned it already, let's dive right on into the Vagabond Dogs Arena Quest. Um, this, for the first time since we got to know him, kind of puts Alex Marulo. In a good light. Okay, that's not possible. Okay. It makes him look less like the guy we've gotten to know over the last couple of years. <laughs> okay. Because the fact that he's actually signed a letter of intent and published it, or at least published the details of it, um, on purchasing what would be Arizona's first privately funded uh, arena and by that I mean the land so far. Well that's um, what they want. That's that's a big step. Like a really big step. Now we know that the letters of intent are not binding. They're just sort of saying, hey, we'd like to take you out to predict we'd like to take you out for coffee and if it goes well let's go to dinner. But um if he pulls that off I think he rehabs his reputation pretty quickly. Uh, I think there are some people that he owes money to that would probably disagree with you, but it's a first step, as you indicated, along with the purchase of land. It's a first step. I think I think he's got a lot more to do to rehab his reputation. But if taking can, the money out of the public, uh, taking the debt out of the public hands. Uh, yeah. And honestly, if he can get the arena built or get the land purchased, get the arena built within three, three years, three seasons and have the Coyotes be competitive when they land in the new arena, they don't have to even win a first round series. But if they make the playoffs and there's no more there's no more scandals about him not paying bills and then demanding to pay far less than he owes, I, I think he's done it. Because okay. quite frankly, if he can take a team that's way outside playoff consideration and drive it in the right direction while simultaneously funding and building a new arena. That's a lot more than any any owner in recent NHL history has done. Most of them have purchased teams that already had arenas or arena was being paid for by a city, by the city or the province or whatever. Um and you know what if he if he does a good enough job of building this out Maybe women's hockey lands there too, because I'm sure he would love to have a tenant uh, if he if he's funding it himself. Like getting that first tenant, or even if it's someone who only fills three or four thousand seats out of however big an arena they build there, it 
it's still more gates. Yeah. And as you said, all that goes toward rehabbing. It's going to, it's going to take some time. I, I don't know exactly how long he's upset a number of people and organizations with his behaviors. Uh huh. And it's documented and they are documented. And I think just by taking the team and in some way instilling a culture of winning, he personally is not going to be responsible for whether the team makes or doesn't make the playoffs. He's responsible for the running of the team. He's the owner that making the team viable, getting them to the playoffs. That's general manager, coaching players. They're going to get themselves there, but yes, it all goes toward rehabbing. I just think there's, I think it's going to take more than just, okay, we managed to get back to the playoffs. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the good graces now. I, I don't see it. I'm trying to, and I'm trying to be open-minded about it. I just think there's more, it's going to take more than just that. I don't know. He's the, and maybe that's not even what this story is. I mean, this story is about getting the coyotes a home that they haven't had in more than just the year or so that they played at the mullet arena. The Gila, the Gila, arena, Gila River Arena, not really a home. They were leasing. Uh, before that, again, not really a home. I, there's just they haven't had some place that they can call their own. I mean, yes, the Bruins don't own the TD Garden, but well, actually, Jacobs does. But yeah. Oh, I, does he own it? I thought he just owned the Sports Service. Uh, I think no, he owns the garden. He owns the whole thing. <laughs> oh, okay. My apologies, then. I was, I'm, I'm underinformed. But they just don't, they don't have a home, and and focusing and on that. Saw, and, as we saw with uh, about a decade and a half ago, or about a decade ago, with Columbus and Nashville, once they got out from under really bad leases, both teams improved. I mean, Nashville, five years after, what was it, five years after their arena renegotiations, I mean, they were the- in the playoffs for the first time, winning playoff rounds, and then they were in the cup final. I mean, Bridgestone Arena for them is it has been huge, having some place to call their own. So that is, that is the first thing that needs to happen. They need to find They need to find a place that they can call their own. And then um, we can then we can go on with the building of the of rebuilding of the of the reputation. I do like and I know that it has nothing to do with the ownership of the team, but I do like this quote because it does cause a little bit of and it doesn't actually quote this. It doesn't actually cite this quote from a particular person. Our incredibly loyal and passionate fan base is extremely excited about our team and the incredible additions we've made this summer, including Matt Dumba, Jason Zucker, Alex Kerfoot, Nick Budstadt, Troy Stetcher, Sean Dersey, and the top prospect in the world, Logan Cooley. 
honestly, you have to love it when they're bullish on their prospects, when any team is. And they have a reasonable case. Do I think that Logan Cooley is going to be better in the next three years than Connor Bedard? I don't know. He's a year older, so there's – might be two years older. So there's a chance that he's just – the extra time for physical development is going to help. But honestly, looking at that – looking at those additions, you've got Derzy and Dumba on the back end and yep. Stetcher for that matter. You've got Bukestad, who is a really solid two-way forward. Yeah. Uh, and then you add Kerfoot, who's, you know, a solid middle six forward. Zucker, some veteran experience. This team could really be interesting. The Western Conference is not the Eastern Conference right now. There's still squishy? Still squishy. Okay. Um, I, I firmly believe that there's... If this team can get out of the gate healthy and confident, like if they win three of their first five games, if they're above 500 by the end, at the end of uh, October, they're going to be hanging around at the deadline. Okay. I am not predicting them to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not either. Not I, I, I need to see but, more. It really only takes one or two teams to have an unhealthy streak. You know, one of those times where 40% of your headcount is on the uh, is on the uh, injured reserve for two, three weeks. You know, that 10-game span, that's one-eighth of the season. That's time when another team can make up a whole lot of round on you. You know, Arizona. Arizona is going to have some fun at the end of the season. I, 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 they literally have no defensemen signed beyond the end of this season. <laughs> well, as I said, I expect them to hang around until the end of the until the deadline. Yeah. Based, I think we mentioned it last week or two weeks ago. I firmly believe that the Dumba contract, in particular was written explicitly so he could be traded ahead of the deadline. One year, 3.9 million. I mean, at the deadline, that's going to be like 980,000 or something like that. Uh, it'll, it'll be like 1.1 or something like that. And he's only 29. Hello. And the same thing for like, uh, Troy Stetcher. Stetcher is 29 years old. Yep. He sure is. He won a cup with uh, he won a cup with the Caps. Was he there in seventeen? I believe he was there in seventeen. I could be off. I might be. I might be delusional. It's he, was with the, he was with the Canucks. I'm sorry. Oh, he was with the Canucks. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm he thinking was. Of someone else then. Uh, never mind. Ignore. No, I've I've always liked Troy. I mean, he's not an offensive kind of. He's not an offensive defenseman by any stretch. You look at his numbers. I mean, his 
best year points wise was the 18-19 season when he had 23 whole points. Oh, my apologies. Nope, 16-17 he had 24 whole points. But three. Yeah, that's not the, his. Looking at those defensemen, their average age on defense is actually lower than their age average age at forward at 25.7. This is a young team that that, as I said, if they get excited and confident coming out of camp, yes, you've got Jason Zucker. He's a creaky old 31-year-old, and Nick Bugstad at 31 is – the other token old guy on the team. They're Logan not as old 19. as Pittsburgh. <laughs> Dylan Gontier, 20. Uh, Barrett Hayden, 23. Matthias Marcelli, 22. Clayton Keller, 25. And you've got, uh, Let's see, uh, Yuso Valamaki, 24, J.J. Moser, 23, Victor Soderstrom, 22, and as we mentioned, Sean Dursey, 24, on the blue line. Assuming you only trade the three old guys, the three 29-year-olds, Brown, Stetcher, and Dumba, at the deadline, although they're all right defensemen, um, which could make the rest of the year unbalanced, uh, you're picking up a minimum of three seconds and a couple of lower picks. Minimum. Once again, restocking the farm system. Which, by the way, they've already got. <laughs> if they pick up more second round picks. If they pick up more second <laughs> round picks, they need to start using them to trade up. Or to go out and acquire the pieces that they're looking for, um, because you look you at who's in a, their who's in their who's on their non-roster forwards. You can feel the again, hockey team with their second round picks. But looking at their looking at their prospects, though, it's still all young guys. The oldest guy who's I mean, you can't even you can't get really consider him a prospect anymore. Zach uh, Sanford. And maybe Justin Kirkland aren't really forward prospects anymore at their at their ages. Probably not. But Josh Stone, twenty one, Connor Geeky, nineteen, uh Akurati, twenty two, Curtis Douglas, twenty-three, uh Milos Kellerman, twenty-four, Liam Kirk, twenty-three, Ben McCarthy, twenty-two, Ryan McGregor, twenty-four. Um, and their defense is just as is nearly as young. Um, 19 year old uh, Maverick Lamoureux, Michael Kesserling at 23, uh, Maximilian Suber at 21, and a couple of other 23, 24 year olds. That's frankly what they need to do is turn some of those second round picks into a goaltender and a top pairing defenseman or two, a top three defenseman or two. I mean, they may have one in Matt Dumba if they can convince him to stay, but there's a, I mean, there's a lot of potential in this system. 
my my biggest question is can Andre uh, uh, Turngi, their their head coach, develop this into a competitive team? I mean, it doesn't take a lot to be competitive in the current Western Conference. It's as much about discipline as actual talent at this point. But I don't know. Seattle's on the rise. Uh, L.A. was L.A. was somewhat of a surprise last year. Uh, yeah, the other California teams, Anaheim, San Jose. They're going not, Yeah, not so much. Um, Vancouver is <clears throat> not good. Vancouver is not good. I'm sorry, what? Mm. St. Louis is not good. St. Louis Nashville, is not going to be good until they do something about their goaltending. Nashville is already committed to a rebuild. Chicago is <clears throat> not good. <laughs> and Winnipeg is probably going to end up in a rebuild by the end of the season. Maybe in Calgary. That's a lot of teams who are <clears throat> not good. I don't know. You say it that way, and Arizona is fighting for the top spot instead of 32. I don't know if they're eighth in the league or eighth in the West or even 10th in the West, but they're not 15th. Or rather, they shouldn't be 15th. They shouldn't be 16th in the West. Fair enough. Based on what we know about the teams right now, there is no way Arizona should not be looking down at at least two teams in the Central Division when the season ends. Uh, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see Arizona actually join the rest of the NHL and be competitive. Because I don't know that they have they have competitive players on the team. I just don't know that they've been a competitive organization for the last number of years. They have not. Uh, um, and yes, joining the rest of the league as a competitive organization would be really nice. It would be. And as I've said before, as long as you can put decent defense in front of in front of Carol Velmelka, I think you'll get to see what Carol Velmelka can do, because he's been he's been surprisingly good on a on a bad team. So we will uh, see what we see. Let's do that. Uh, and let next topic up will be fin, fan uh, rankings by position. Uh, Jay Fresh Hockey posted this a couple of days back. All six positions, um, one through ten, at a couple. And honestly, I think there's a couple of surprises here. Um. And a couple okay. of illuminating things about certain teams. Certain teams. Yes. Um, I think that there's one player, 
we'll start with your favorite category, goaltending. Yeah. I, uh, I think that Vasilevsky is too high. I think based on his last two or three seasons, no, can't say he's the number one goaltender in the league. Okay. I'd also be hard-pressed to say that Sergei Bobrovsky is the number 10 goaltender in the league because, yes, he had a better playoff run than many people expected. Well, we got to remember, this is... It is fan voting. This so is off-season like fan that. voting, but... So, somewhat of a popularity contest. Uh, and recency bias does play a lot into it, yes. But that's I mean, true as well. I mean, I'm a huge Saros fan. I'm a. But I mean, come on, uh, Bobrovsky's last four seasons were save percentages were 900, 906, 913, and 901. Yes, but look what he did. It, it's what have you done for me lately? And when polling fans, they remember back. Uh, Last season. Ten minutes. <laughs> or ten minutes. ten minutes. There you go. Last season or just the playoffs. And he had a decent playoffs. I'm not saying it was great. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. He didn't come in until, what, the third game of the Bruins series? Yes. And I thought Alex Lyon held his own. I mean, I did – Alex Lyon did hold his own. Um, holy heck. You know, Jake Ottinger was. Um, before we get to Jake Ottinger. Oh, okay. Off the top of your head without looking. Not looking. How old is Sergei Bobrovsky? Um, how old? 31. That's closer than I was expecting you to get because I was guessing older than he is and older than you because he's been around forever. Yes, he has. Uh, I mean, uh, just he started playing in the 2010-2011 season for Philly, uh, jumped right in and played 54 games, won 28 of them that year. 915 save percentage and 3,000 minutes. Um, so are you telling me he's 35? I mean, uh, he is 34 years old. He'll be 35 in 88 uh, in uh, on the 20th. Okay. Um, I thought he was like three or four years older than that. Um, you thought he was pushing 40? I thought he was like 37, 38. I really did because oh, he's wow. been around a long time. He's got he 642 regular season games, 18,800 regular season uh, saves. And what is his minute total? It's got to be close to – yeah, it's 30, just under 37,000 regular season minutes. That's a lot of ice time. Um, and it's it and he's got over four thousand playoff minutes. But going back to the recency bias, um, in the nineteen games he played for the uh, for the Panthers last spring, he had a nine fifteen save percentage. 
Um, his next highest playing more than seven or eight games uh, is 9-11. Um, and that was that was the 2011-2012 season in 10 games. And you go back to 18-19 when he was in Columbus. He had a 925 save percentage in 10 games. He won six of them, lost four of them. Um, and... It, you know, his career playoff percentage is a, only a 905, but when he gets above it, he does pretty well because a couple of his numbers uh, from early in his career are decidedly ungood. Okay. So $10 million, go- $10 million goaltender, he is not. Um, I mean, he is because that's what he is paid. He's, he is but that because that's what he is paid. Uh, but you know what? I honestly don't know that salaries mean much after someone is signed. I, I think that they're as a measurement of player quality. I don't think he was a 10 million goal. I don't think he was a $10 million goaltender when they signed him to that contract. No, I don't. I don't think he was ever a $10 million goaltender. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that said, he signed to the contract. He's, they're not going to find a way to move him short of buying him out. And that's going to be prohibitive. Well, nobody's taking on that dollar amount. I mean, even if they, I mean, are you going to keep 50% of that contract and move him assuming you can? No, of course not. No, and the reason got, to get rid of him is you're getting rid of his money. <laughs> I mean, he's got a no movement contract, uh, no movement clause through this season. Okay. And then, he can submit a 16-team no-trade list starting uh, next July 1st for the final two years of his deal. Now, the actual money, um, actual money for the next two seasons drops to 6.5 and 6 uh, million total. So he's not the team isn't spending as much, but it still hits the cap the same way. Yep. as a flat 10 throughout the eight years of it. But I, I'm not sure. I don't know that I find this one, find this huge, like completely egregious. Um, I wouldn't put Vasilevsky first. I wouldn't put Bobrovsky in the top 10. No, I wouldn't either. Um, if Vasilevsky comes in around six or seven here, um, because I, I, Shusterkin, Sorokin, definitely better. Um, which, uh, which other position do you find interesting? Uh, well, right defense. You knew we were going here, right? Because I agree with one and two, and then you lose me completely. I I am not surprised by the polls' results um, in putting him there, but yeah, I I would McCarr. be hard pressed to get him. I'm sorry, Makar and Fox. Uh, okay, both Norris Trophy winners. Okay, both like tops in the league in as defensemen, and then number three is the Hall of Famer. No, I am completely unsurprised to see him there. Just I'm honestly more offended by the left defense vote. 
Um, Josh Morrissey should be noticeably higher. If yes. I will take him every single day of the week ahead of Rasmus Dahlin. I will take him ahead of Quinn Hughes to date. Um, I think I probably take him ahead of Slavin. I sh- I do I take know, him ahead of Slavin. Yeah, Jacob Slavin's still. It's it's hard it, it's hard to do, but I do. Me. I mean, I'm uh, a huge Shea Theodore fan, and, and being at eighth is like. I have to admit, it's probably close. He probably should be somewhere in the lower half of the top ten. But the big miss for this one, Ampis Lindholm. Uh, yeah. Ampis Lindholm was, for a two-month stretch, one of the five or six best defensemen in the league, period, last year. And then he was still well above average the rest of the year. Yes. Um, so I don't know who you want to punt off because I like Miro Haskinen. I think Victor Hedman and Roman Yossi ne- will have just never gotten their flowers. Uh, or Roman Yossi has never gotten his flowers. Like Victor Hedman, yep, great defenseman. But Roman, Roman Yossi's won a Norris. But no one ever talks about him as no. That's true. He is the he is the one defenseman that never gets mentioned. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a Nashville thing or everybody just forgets it. You know, he plays a very just stoic style. He he's not flashy. He's not in a lot of ways, although healthier. Usually, Roman Yossi is the Henrik Lundqvist of defensemen. There is nothing flashy about him, <laughs> but he is there all the time. I don't know. I think Lund- I think Lundqvist at times could be flat. I think Lundqvist had his he had his moments. I'm not. I'm not but it's not what you thought of when you thought of a Henrik Lundqvist game. Well, no, he wasn't. He he didn't flop around like Dominic Hasek, or, or dare I say, Tim Thomas. No, he wasn't that style of goaltender. I mean, he was straight up and down. I mean, he. he I mean, early in his career, he was the prototypical butterfly uh, or yes. upright defenseman or upright goaltender. There is one other name missing from, and you can pick a side, pick whatever side. There is one name that's missing from here that I'm from the defense. Go ahead. And again, it's a Roman Yossi type of deal. Where's John Carlson? We talked about that the first time we saw this list, and I don't even. Where's John Carlson? I'm going to start putting up the right defenseman. I'm going to start putting up signs. I mean, you have, and and I understand it's a fan poll. Why is number nine there? That, like, he's the first name that I would completely take off the list. Why is he there? I mean, some of this comes down to fan base size. It's just, it is. 
Um, you could put, I mean, Maurice Sider, is he really proven that he's a better defenseman than Drew Doughty? No. Not yet, no. And I like Sider, but I'm Based a huge Doughty. Purely upon their age, if you're asking me which one I want on my team five years from today, yes, I'm picking Sider. But if you're asking me who I want for a Stanley Cup final series this year, <laughs> it's Drew Doughty, and it's not even close. It's like it's the same question as asking if I could go if I could grab a time machine and go back and and grab you know Ray Bork or or Byron Bits for my uh, actually that's over that's an overstatement but Ray Bork or Glenn Wesley for my Stanley Cup final Stanley Cup run at the peak of their health and career. It's it's Ray Bork all the time. <laughs> it's just not even a question. Um, where do we want to go next? I was noticing the. I, I'm I'm just looking at the. I'm looking at the forwards lists, and I do like. I do like number one at left wing. I I don't know that Brad falls to number three. I'm sorry. I, I, based on this list, even, even though his reputation is what it is, I am very happy to see that most fans, that many fans said, okay, he's a rat, but he's still good. Because there are pretty strong arguments, whether you buy them or not, that Artemi Panarin is a quote, better player than Brad Marchand. Nope. There are arguments that Alex Ovechkin is a better player than Brad Marchand. Ooh, a little bit tougher, but still, uh, you can, nope. You can make an argument that Connor, that Kyle Connor is at least as good as Brad Marchand. Nope. Do I buy those arguments? Probably not. And Kyle Alex Connor Ovechkin is absolutely the best goal scorer to ever live, period. Period. Yeah, I'm not but disagreeing he's with that. Not the complete player that Brad Marchand is. I, I honestly don't think Kaprizov is either. He could. He has the no. potential to be, but I don't believe he is right now. He's not. Jason uh, like, Wright. Kaprizov is a bucket load of fun to watch. Jason Robertson. Ah, oh, Jason Robertson. Jason Robertson. I will say this. While I would not take him ahead of Brad Marchand any time in the next two years, is possibly still the most underrated left wing in the league. Yeah. I don't think those statements are a conflict. I don't believe it either. No. Um, I'm somewhat surprised that Brady Kachuk is as low as he is. Really? Um, I think part of that is Ottawa is not a huge fan base. I mean, if you look at the, city, the four cities at the – for the guys at left wing, it's Brady Kachuk in Ottawa, um, Andrei Svechnikov in Carolina, Johnny Gaudreau, although he's listed as a flame, despite the fact that he's been in. <laughs> I just noticed that. He's been in Columbus for a, a, a year. And then Kyle Connor in Winnipeg. None of those four are in the top 15 in terms of market size. How do we feel about Svechnikov on this list? I mean,. If there's a guy I was I would push off the list 
it's probably him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Especially since Ovechkin dropped him with one punch, but you know. Uh, but I mean, that was now, still that was still entertaining. Svechnikov thought he was going to get all rough, and Ovechkin just went, "Yeah, bye bye." He got uh, they got rough, and uh, Alex Ovechkin dropped him like AEW dropping Phil Brooks. Uh, yeah, that's pretty close assessment. There you go. I mean, center is center is as center does. I mean. Obviously, number one is number one, number two, number two. I mean, center is if I was going to boot somebody off of this list. Ooh. Top one. Off the center list? Off the center list. I mean, the fact that there's no Patrice leaves this list wide open. <laughs> um... This is probably the hardest one to critique. I find it interesting that Jack Hughes is up at number six. I think that might Not be a little high for him. I mean, he's a good he's a good player. I think he's going to be one of the top tier centers in the league. Give him another year or two. I think that might be a little high for him right now. I, I, I didn't say it was bad. I, I just said interesting. I find the fact that Jack Eichel, who has been... Um, Non-existent. Who has had fans' bowels uh, voided upon him for like five straight years? Managed to make the list. Really reflective of the fact that he was on a cup-winning team, um, and he contributed. I mean, anyone saying that he was a passenger is out of their bleeping mind. Uh, but the um, center list. I, I mean, did Braden Point is he a little low? I mean, I mean, Eichel had 26 points in 22 games in the playoffs on the way to the cup. And that's the thing is this list isn't like regular season. Uh, you know, this is just who are your favorites. So, or, or, or you know, top 10 at each position. It doesn't say regular season, postseason combined. Well, you know, there, there was a lot of, of, of subjectivity left in, in, in this poll. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, that looking. I mean, that being said, yeah, I'd probably knock Jack Hughes down a little bit. I think Braden Point should be a little higher. Uh, but I can't argue. I think Austin. <laughs> that's a personal opinion. I think Austin okay. Matthews is a little too high on this list, but that's okay. You know, uh, looking at the number, looking at that list of centers. Yeah. There's a guy I would add who I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet since you mentioned him literally in 45 of our shows last year. <laughs> JT Miller. Oh, uh, yes, JT Miller, who's still I mean, you mentioned him more times than I mentioned Patrice Bergeron, which is making a statement. Still think he should be a Bruin, but yeah, what am I going to what do I know? Um, I think that I think that there are very many Canucks fans who would personally pack him up and walk his furniture from Vancouver to Boston. Yeah. Um, does that mean that they're right? Probably not. Um, but I, I, I think, think it's the contract that upsets them so much. I, I, and again, I don't think that the contract is anywhere near as important 
as how the coaches use them and the end luck, sheer dumb luck when it comes to health and puck bounces and the health of your line mates. Um, the fact that Sidney Crosby is as high on this list as he is five years ago, maybe is at first I wanted to just say no. That's again, popularity contest. That said, if you look at the five names behind him and you're asking yourself, assuming healthy or a, four-round playoff run, which of these guys do I want? The only name on the, the only two names on the list that in my very humble opinion, I can say I would consider equal or ahead of him are McKinnon and point. Because none of those other guys, except for Eichel this year has done a lot in the playoffs. Agreed. Um, Barkov, I, I think that he just wasn't present for the Bruins season series. Wasn't present. I think the Bruins did a very good job of, of not letting him be a factor. The problem is that because they seem to focus on him, Everyone other people, other people became factors that normally wouldn't be Losterinen, uh, 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 Montour became a factor, and I mean Brandon Montour, the way he was lighting it up. Come on now, and he's But he, you still have to take advantage of it. Yeah, you can be open all day long, uh, and you can be either Thomas Cabriolet or Brandon Montour. <laughs> I'll take Brandon Montour. Yeah, I would do Thomas Cabriolet. Oh my goodness, shoot the. <laughs> Okay, let's take a look at right wing. Okay, no. First of all, no. I will take I will take number one as correct. Matthew Kachuk. I will take number five as completely wrong. Way too low. Yes. Like three spots too low. I, I was. I, I like No, I like Pasternak. I do. He's a Bruin. Whatever. No. Oh, no, no, no. Like, I wasn't going to argue about Pasternak being at number two because he shouldn't be there, period. He should be like no higher than four, but Marner should be two, Ranton in three, or you could interchange those two, but I still like Marner. I think Marner's a little bit better. Marner two, on, Ranton. Keep going. Marner two, Ranton in three, um, Kucherov and Pasternak again, four and five, pick what, you know. Pick whichever one you want. Uh, Mark Stone at six, still playing at a high level. I I have to give him some credit as much as I may or may not like to. Nylander at seven. No, maybe. You see the hidden gem of Toronto? Can I say that? Lots of people have said that. Um Honestly, I think if you're going to base it off of the recent playoff run, I might I might take Pavelski over over Pasternak. Joe Pa. 
14 points in 14 games, nine of them goals. Well, he did have he, – he is, what, the oldest player to have a four-goal game in the playoffs or something like that? Yeah, he had a very, very good run. <laughs> I just I, – I think that – This is not how we, either one of us would order the list. Yes, uh, no. No, 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 no. Is there anyone on this list that you're just going, huh? Yeah, we talked about it. Number three, right defense. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean for right wings. Oh, for right wings. Okay. Anybody on this list? <sighs> I mean, I think the right wing position is of the six position of the five skater positions. Is probably the weakest in the NHL right now. I like Fiala. Is he too high, though? I mean, I might be tempted to take Brock Besser over him. There's a lot of people who would take Timo Meyer over him. Or Blake Wheeler. At least with this list, I'm not sitting here going... Why is maybe uh, this list, this list of 10 on right wing aside from order aside, you know, pasta should not be two. order aside. At least this list I can take and say, okay, are these the top 10 in the NHL? Or are these the top 15 at least? And I would say, yeah, yeah. So which which do you find more agree uh, of the of the rankings yes. for wooden skaters? Marchand at three, Pasternak at two, and McAvoy at three. Which do you find the most egregious? Oh, that's just flat unfair. out the most wrong. That's an unfair question. Because I can pick two, and that's not good. They're all egregious. <laughs> the most egregious? I don't. I'm. I'm torn. I think Marshawn should definitely be higher than three. I think that's really egregious. But then I look at McAvoy, and I think he should definitely be not three, and that's egregious. Uh, I'm going to go with Charlie as the most egregious. I I understand that one, and I'll say it because as much as many holes as the two of us see in his game, he's a better rounded defenseman than you know Chris Letang or Dougie Hamilton or even Eric Carlson. Yes, which is why I can understand if you're stack ranking guys that he would come out ahead of them, there's a little less history to build McAvoy's case. Cause when you look at this list, Carlson is older than him. Hamilton is older than him. Petrangelo is older than him. Ekblad's older than him. Latang and Dowdy are older than him. Um, and there's clearly a use a youth bias in that because the, the three players at the top are the three youngest um, but I don't know. Cider 
not Cider. Cider is the youngest. Is I think the youngest of the ten guys on the list. I believe so. Uh, but the top three positions being three of the four youngest players is pretty eye opening. When you look at the left wing position, though, I'm sorry, but I. I I will think the world of Brady Kachuk. I love Alex Ovechkin, Steven Stamkos. I, I still think of him as a center. Um, okay, whatever. There's no one on that list I'm taking ahead of Brad Marchand if I need to control a playoff series. Period. Yeah, I can see that. Um. And okay, follow up question. Follow up. Okay. Is the placement of either of the three skaters more egregious than Hampus Lindholm being left off the left defenseman list? <laughs> like, assuming you're looking at the li- at, at the extended list and Hampus Lindholm is number 13 on left defense, is that worse than the placement of the other three? Based on your art, based on your argument for Brad Marchand, I'd I'd almost say that's still the most egregious. But Hampus Lindholm. Hampus Lindholm deserves his damn flowers. Yes. Yes, he does. Hampus Lindholm deserves his flowers. I'm sorry. He was. He was occasionally spectacular and worth watching in 99.9% of his shifts last season. Um, okay, just just to give you a quick, you, as far as your bias in the, in the defense there, Adam Fox and Charlie McAvoy are 25 years old each. Kale yep. McCarr is 24. Maritz Sider is 22. Yeah. And I think the next youngest guy is probably like 30. The next youngest guy is probably either Hamilton or Eckblad. <laughs> I'm going to go with Hamilton, but. Is Hamilton 30 yet? Uh, Dougie, yeah. he was uh, in the 2012 draft, wasn't it? Or 2011? He was, he was in the nine draft. No, wait a minute. He was, he was drafted ninth. He was in the. Was it a 12 draft right after the championship? Dougie just turned 30 in June. Okay. And Ekblad's slightly over 30, I believe. So, yeah, Dougie would be the next youngest. No, actually, Ekblad's only 27. He's just Ooh. been in the league since eight minutes after he was drafted. Good point. All right. All righty then. 27th, 1996. Two years older than Fox and McAvoy. Wow. But he's, like I said, he's been in the league since 10 minutes after he was drafted. Oh, um, when, you, when you get drafted, what is it, first overall, you're expected that you're going to step on the ice and play from day one? Yeah. And honestly, I think that's hurt his career. I think he should have probably played another year in junior, but... Just Mike's humble opinion. Yes, Hampus Lindholm, give him the flowers. Um, let's jump over to 
let's just let's just go into the women's hockey um, city announcement. Um, okay. Hockey News posted earlier this week. Um, the Professional Women's Hockey League, which I believe is going to be the name for the league, but they will find out. The PWHL. Um, PWHL, yeah. Um, their new original six. Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, um, and then NYC, Boston, and Minnesota. Um There were other cities under consideration, um, including including London, Ontario, uh, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. I think for a number of reasons, particularly since they're leaving out Buffalo and Connecticut, who were uh, PHF franchise locations. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably really, really, really should have started off with eight. Eight teams. I don't like this whole. I, I, I know I'm still not happy with this whole. I know there's nothing I can do about. It. Obviously, there's nothing. Uh, I think they botched this. That they need to. They did. I. I. We. I called it a hostile takeover at the time. I think this was a bad move. They had five. They had five teams in the. Professional Women's Hockey Association tournament group. I have a hard time calling it a league when none of them had really permanent <laughs> locations or anything like that. They didn't have names. They didn't have names. And then there's six teams in the – there was eight – well, there were six or seven teams plus in the PHF. There's more than enough active players to put together eight competitive teams. You're not you're not going to tell me that you can't find a way to create eight competitive teams. Like for purely from a branding and distinction and blazing your own path sort of way. I think that you should be able to that starting with eight teams over six and having that figure eight or that you can turn in also turn into an infinity sign at some point as part of the league logo and part of the league history as a differentiator from the theoretical original six of the NHL. We both know that, and most of our listeners know that there have been many, many teams before the expansion to 12 and then later uh, that came in and out of the league. But I think that starting off with eight teams for gives you a number of advantages you can do when you have, assuming I think it doesn't alienate fan bases. For one it doesn't thing. alienate fan bases. Yes, that's probably co-equal as number as number one. <clears throat> but for me, you can do two double headers on Friday and Saturday or Saturday and Sunday over the weekend and make the most of your ESPN Plus deal, assuming that the assuming the new arrangement uh, managed to retain it, or whatever other TV rights or streaming rights you have. Yeah. Two double headers, or allow that triple header 
and then still have another team that you can throw out another set of games that you can throw out there the next day. <sighs> Plus, yes, alienating the fan bases. Uh, never forcing, a good thing. You're forcing Hartford fans to now be New York fans. Or Boston fans. Hey, who knows? Or Boston, yeah. Or neither. Um, I, I, I mean, I get it. The Mon- Montreal was Montreal had a had a had a team in the PHF. Boston had a team in the PHF. Minnesota had a team in the PHF. Toronto had a team in the PHF. Ottawa's new. Yep. New York City, did they have? Were they? Were they not called New York City? Is that what the Metropolitan uh, Riveters or whatever they were? I thought the Met. I thought the Riveters were actually. I don't remember, but you can't like you if you can't find eight teams worth of players, you're not trying. You're not trying. I just I. Metropolitan Riveters, professional women's ice hockey team, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Okay, so the New York, New Jersey market, right. Now, that was the New York team. There wasn't really a – there wasn't a New York franchise that I'm aware of. It was just Metropolitan. So, Um, you're – I don't know. I'm – Baffled. I, I I just I don't understand. I know uh, I don't understand how they they managing to make this work. Your alien franchise. You're throwing away talent too. You went from eleven teams minimum because there were two te- there were new teams coming into the PHF. Yeah. To six teams. Are you telling me that only ha- that roughly half of the women playing between the two leagues deserve to be playing in? At the professional level, uh, that—that's a pretty big statement. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, Boston, the Bruins lost somebody to the PWHL. Uh, Danielle Marmer, if I'm not mistaken, who was working in the. She is. Yep. She is going to be the new general manager for the Boston. Uh, for the Boston Pride. franchise. We Should we call them the Pride for now and see if they keep the name? I mean. But she's moving on. She's going to be taking over as GM, and and I and and I applaud her for it. That's great. She worked. Uh, she worked as a staffer. She 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 was with the team. I she worked in various and various departments, if I'm not mistaken, with the Bruins. So she's got a, a nice overall sense of what's going on in the yeah. hockey world. She also went to Quinnipiac, uh, home of your my favorite and yours, uh, Connor Clifton. Uh, so last season, she was player development and scouting assistant with the Boston Bruins, um, and she's going to be the inaugural manager for the P- uh, for the PWHL's Boston franchise. 
Do we honestly think they're going to keep the name Pride, or, do, or are they going to give teams they all are. new? They're going I, to give teams all new names, new identities. From everything I can tell, they're going to do as much as possible to bury the name of the PH and everything associated with the PHL, PHF rather. Um, have you seen anything? And I, I'm asking only because I have not. Have you seen anything as far as? Uh, possible names for organizations have they I haven't seen anything that's why I'm asking I'm not I have not Uh, I mean when you introduce your six general managers and don't call the franchises by anything other than the cities they're going to be in (laughs) seems a little bit uh, off-putting she's named the GM of Boston's professional women's hockey league team named (laughs) named Which would have been my first question at the press conference. What's the name of the organization? (laughs) And they'd have to stand up and go, well, we haven't decided on names yet. They had a pretty good one before you stepped in. (laughs) I I don't I don't understand it. My understanding is that they're only playing 24 games this season, but apparently a full season is going to expand to 32 games starting next year. Yeah, they're starting the season later than the PHF would have. Um, I I don't want to be hypercritical because I want women's hockey to grow. I oh, want so do I. To grow. But I... I mean, I have made my career in sales and in marketing-related roles, and all of the criticisms I've made of the NHL and their inability to market themselves properly, and of even Black going back to BlackBerry and their inability to market themselves well, this seems like something out of the same playbook. Um, I, I want to hope for the best for all the players, for all the general managers, run office people, um, something else to look forward to on September 18th. Yes. The PWHL will be having a 15 round draft. Hopefully, we'll hear the names of the franchises uh, at that point. I was going to say, at some point, you have to give us names. It would be nice, yes. I mean, I at some point, they're going to need to put something on jerseys. Why would you want to do that? Logos on jerseys? Come on. I mean, unless they're going to just slap Burlock burlap bags on the uh on the women's backs and and write their names with magic marker um which i'm suspecting is not actually the plan but um confirmation would be nice so here's the way it's going to work uh the draft will be on september 18th 15 rounds players from both the pwhpa and the phf as well as NCAA graduates and international players will have the opportunity to join the new league. Players who want to compete in the 23-24 season must declare for the draft by today. This league is for the best players in the world. It does not matter where you played in the past. 
There is no more PHF or PWHPA or international. We are one player group of the PWHL. That's the quote from. And I'm looking up the name because all it says is a last name, Hefford. I don't know if he's the commissioner of the league or. Sure. Um, so September 18th is a Monday. Um, and we will try and get uh, data from that and tweet about it uh, as I, it happens. I have a I have a rather vague answer. Go ahead. The league will open operations in six markets, which we talked about. Yep. Um, and whoever this cast in person, I got to learn. I got to learn the names of this league so that I know who's who. Uh, the team names, logos, and the league's official logo are in the works and will be announced in the coming weeks. Venues for games were not announced during the press conference. They did say the PWHL will play in a variety of arena sizes, from NHL buildings to minor league arenas. Minnesota is expected to play at the XL Energy Center. New York area team is considering options in New York City and Connecticut and New Jersey. Well, as long as they've got it narrowed down. Well, yeah, you know, three states is pretty narrow. I mean, there's 50 to choose from. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully they get this hammered out and, and it's squared away. And first round determined by draft lottery. Subsequent rounds will follow a snake draft format. There will be no draft picks traded until at least the completion of the 23-24 season. Undrafted. A snake draft for a professional league, uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, Didn't we do our fantasy league that way? <laughs> yes. Okay, just checking. <laughs> yep. Um, moving on. Yeah, we need to move on because this is. So a couple of days back, I came across a Dominic Tiano retweet of a Nathan Grab. Uh, tweet with a projection of 55 points for Slavovsky of the Canadians and 46 points for Brad Marchand of the Boston Bruins. Now, you just heard us say that uh, Brad Marchand is almost certainly the best left wing in the league. Yes. No argument here, obviously. And a prediction of 46 Points. 40, 46 points. My response, of course, was, uh, are they predicting Marshan to be suspended for 45 games? Is Slavkovsky a rookie or a second-year kid? Did he play enough games last year to lose his rookie stint? actually matter. <laughs> I'm trying to make some kind of argument for the other side. It's not working, obviously, but because I think there's a complete joke 46 points. Are you trying to tell me that Patrice is responsible for like all the other points that he gets? I mean, where do you suddenly get 46 points? I like just looking at those two things alone. I don't have questions. Really, I don't have questions. 
I, I, I'm simply discard this entire list as numbers being pulled out of a hat. Or some other place. Dark place. Dark place, yeah. <clears throat> 46 points. I understand that Patrice not being there is going to have an effect. No doubt. But the thing is, is that Brad Marchand has played significant stretches without Patrice Bergeron. Yes. And played well. Why? Because he's a really good player. Um, exactly. Slavkovsky played 39 games last season um, and had 10 points and was a minus 13. So I'm done. sure that translates into. He's not a rookie. OK, either way, yeah. I do no. like I, I do like Dominic's reply. Is this by Christmas? <laughs> because quite frankly, if Slavovsky, uh, Slavkovsky puts up 55 points by right. Christmas next year, that's that's awesome. If he puts up 55 points by Christmas, he's going to be the front runner for MVP. And I don't see that happening in the NHL. Sorry. Um, and the 46 points for Brad Marchand, uh, that could be by Christmas. I uh, look, I try not to ask important. I try not to ask pointed questions like what drugs is this person on or what drugs is this person supposed to be on? But what drugs is, are these people supposed to be on? Um, the rankings, of course, these projections are are pulled from ESPN's hockey uh, points projections for the year. Really? Um, you can find their full projections at fantasy.espn.com uh, slash hockey slash players slash projections. Slash we made this all up on our own. Um, so here's like – some of them are pretty pretty unexceptionable. They're predicting that Connor McDavid will finish with 148 points. I can live with that. Leon Dreisaitl will finish with 129 points. I can live with that. Okay. Elias Pettersson jumping all the way to 116 points. Yes, my eyebrow has mar- has marched marginally forward up uh, towards my hairline. David Pasternak, uh, 105 points in 79 games. Mm. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. Pasta is predicted to have or projected to have 105 points. And Marshawn is projected to have 46. Look, my... Uh, No... Something is wrong here. My question about how many games they're predicting Marchand will be suspended stands. Are they actually predicting him to be suspended for 45 games? Something is wrong here. Pasta is not going to be affected. He's going to drop a whole eight points over the course of a season. By not having either Bergeron or Krejci to skate with. Okay, whatever. But Marshan is his, going. His total is basically going to be half of what it is. <laughs> half. Um, Matthew Kachuk, 112 points in 81 games is their projection this year. 42 you goals. 
you skip number five and somehow number five only has double digit points. But OK, you skip number five. Uh, that's fine. Uh, 53 Good. goals, 46 assists, 99 points for Mr. Austin. I will be in Vegas. I, I will be in uh, another city before my contract is over. Matthews. He's going to go home. He is going to touch down in Arizona as soon as their new arena deal is if out. They, you know what? That's actually not funny. I think that if they are able to build that arena, if Marulo really wants to save that, that's what he does. You build that arena, you get him back in that building. He's from there. You build a front. You that yes, that I can see. Next. <laughs> Sorry. Um, now looking, they have uh, they have uh, Tage Thompson climbing to ninety eight points. Um, Jack Hughes climbing to one hundred and seven. Wow. Brady Kachuk is going to climb all the way to ninety two points. Good luck. Um, Ottawa plays. Got Stutzla, Brady. Mitch Miner is going to play three less games and score three more points. Yeah. Connor Bedard. They're projecting 90 points out of Connor Bedard, huh? Wow. 90 points and a minus 10 on the Blackhawks in 82 games. And he's going to average 19 and a half minutes per game. Hey, look, we asked, where's John Carlson? Here he is, ranked 23rd overall. He's going to get 70 points. 70 points, 17 goals, plus six for your Washington Capitals. Ahead of Mika Zibanejad and Braden Point and Jack Eichel in terms of rankings, although they have they have Eichel playing 78 games and racking up 92 points. But it's only when you dive into some of the team projections <laughs> that the hilarity really, really takes off. The hilarity ensues. Here we go. <laughs> the Boston Bruins. We have. We're talking about. Um, we talked about Brad Marchand already. Mm-hmm. And his projection of. Was it 46 points or something like that? 46 points. 46 points in 66 games. Yep. Um, they have Pavel Zaka projected at 44 points in 78 games, which I don't think is very far off. And I'll take the bullets on that one. You can hit me up at uh, at Puck Sage on Twitter. Um, but when you get to their eighth-ranked Boston Bruin for the season, here's where it goes off the rails entirely sideways and backwards at the same time. Um, Because at 71 games, 15 goals, 28 assists, 43 points, plus five, 1606 in ice time, baby in my cell. So one less point than Pavel Zaka, who is probably going to be our number one or number two center and three less points than Brad Marchand, who we discussed is Probably the best left wing in the entire league. Wait, Fabian Lysel is going to have 18 more points than Charlie Coyle? 
And Charlie Coyle dropping back to 25 total points for an entire season and only playing 66 games. Wait, uh, go ahead. To have like two, like a high ankle sprain for each leg. I can do you one better. Because number 11th ranked player who has officially retired mm-hmm. is ranked ahead of James Van Riemsdyk, Derek Forbort, Matt Grizzly, Trent Frederick. They literally only projected the top 10 players for the team. Because the only season in which Charlie Coyle has had 25 or 25 points or less was his rookie year when he only played 37 games. Like, is ESPN joking? Uh, so, in in the show notes, I have ESPN predictions: crack or genius. <laughs> well, when you rank Patrice Bergeron at eleven, and then have active players on the team ranked below him, that's that's you, all true. Now, you probably didn't see as many stories about this, these projections as I did. There were dozens across all sorts of media sites. Dozens. I'm, I'm sorry I missed them all. Uh, you didn't miss a great deal, but a, good, a few good laps. <laughs> so here's why I asked the, that question about these, this set of projections. What did we talk about last week? Oh, goodness. Um, ESPN being for sale. Okay. Uh, Let's see. We've got the Calder odds last week. You already got to the right one. Oh, okay. So spin your conspiracy theory uh, wheel and uh, add it to what we're talking about right now. ESPN doesn't care or they're going to lose the NHL contract. Nope. Even better. NHL is going to buy ESPN. (laughs) That would be hilarious. (laughs) In terms of ESPN being sold, potentially sold. What does being talked about in pretty much every other media forum regarding sports do for them? It raises their profile. It, yes, I was going to say it, 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 it increases their viability because they're being talked about. It, it, like this is where I'm freely admitting I'm wearing my tinfoil hat and pulling and diving deep into my uh, tre- treasure trove of conspiracy theories. But if this list was crafted in such a way as to create buzz more than to create accurate projections, or at least co-equally, mm-hmm. someone did a really good job because literally everyone is talking about this. Ah, I see. What literally everyone is talking about this. Ooh, ooh, I've got something for you. You're going to love this one. So in the sortable, because yep. it's full projections. So under the full projections tab, you go to Boston, but then you go to goaltenders. Yep. And, of course, we have number one, Linus Olmark. 
he's going to jump up from a 1.89 to a 2.29 goals against, which is still fairly low. I did 2.29 is still nothing to be scoffed at. Nope. Uh, Swayman's going to go from a 2.27 up to a 2.43. And then we have ranked third. Now, you would think Brandon Busey, since he's in, you know, Provident. No, not Kyle Brandon Kaiser. Busey. Yep. Number three is Michael DiPietro. They also have a fourth-ranked goaltender. You would think, again, Brandon Busey, maybe they just, you know, did whatever. No, 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 no. The fourth-ranked goaltender is Tuka Rask. Who has been retired for two years at this point. <laughs> now, there's no projections or anything, but why would you add him? <laughs> there's, there's no Busey. There's no uh, – who's the other one that's down there? Oh, the other kid. Kyle uh, Kaiser, yeah. Kyle Kaiser, yeah. No, not him, not him. DiPietro and then Tuka Rask. Um, and if you go look at Chicago, we talked about Connor Bedard being – uh, being penciled in for 90 points. Yes. You scroll through the rest of Chicago's players, and there's only like three players, or there's only a handful of players with projections. Yeah. Only, it, it, only like two of them are lined up for more than four, 30 points. You've got Seth Jones projected at 36. Pretty reasonable for 75 games and not much else on the team other than Connor Bedard. Lucas Reichel, 40 points in 77 games. Taylor Hall, 43 in 68, which is just plain rude. Um, Taylor Radish, somehow 32 points in 76 games. Um, Connor Murphy, not much. Um Please explain the math where Connor Bernard gets 57 assists and there's barely 57 assists accounted for among all of the other players projected. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Connor Bernard gets 57 assists, but nobody else. There's, there's not 57 goals being scored among the other players. No. Yeah. They're that math's not mathing. <laughs> Actually, if you add them up, I think it comes up to 59. So somebody else is getting the uh, the other two assists, apparently. Maybe they're goaltenders. I don't know. they're going to be. I, what I don't understand is they actually have, under their goaltenders, they have about eight listed. No projections for any of them, but they have eight goaltenders listed. So I don't know why. It, it's almost like, and and I don't want to say that ESPN is is – Oh, I want to use the phrase half uh, trolling. Yeah. Okay. Trolling is a good one. They, they didn't do, they didn't finish the job. They like half, they, they, they did half the list of players and then went, yeah, okay. It's enough. Maybe they're only projecting guys that they expect to be drafted in at least 10% of leagues or 20% of leagues. Um, because this this is admittedly under their fantasy hockey tab, so I still think that I still think the projections are absolute rubbish. I mean, if that's the case, Brad is going to get drafted lower in in fantasy leagues. And I'm sorry, Brad usually get drafted in the first or second round of our fantasy league every year. Yeah. <laughs> 
he was like the second Bruin taken. The yes. first one being, of course, consistently. consistently. I, I, oh man, no. Whoever's running ESPN fantasy is. It, I know. Um, I, I'm whoever, stunned. Stunned. Whoever it is, uh, maybe they had the same sort of uh, issues that Carl Haglin had that led to his retirement. And maybe they'll also be facing retirement because. Uh, announced this week, Carl Haglin, um, two-time Stanley Cup champ, has announced his retirement uh, because of a severe eye injury. Oh, wow. Good luck to Haglin. Um, I always enjoyed watching him play. Absolutely a wildly tenacious player. Um, was one of the fastest players in the league at his peak. Um, hopefully, uh, there's some upside to his recovery uh, and he can go on and enjoy uh, everything else he does the rest of his life. It's interesting because he's not the only one retiring due to medical reasons though. Cause just before we went to show, I found and, and Eunice Donskoy is retiring due to multiple concussions. He's only been in the league seven years and he actually didn't play last year due to, symptoms of a concussion that he suffered in preseason with the Kraken. So he did not play all of the 22, 23 season. And he's calling it a day. Uh, As much as you don't want to see anyone end their career because of reasons beyond their control. um, I think it's good for both of them to get out right now. Um, Instead of uh, mounting even more severe injuries, well, it becomes an issue of, of just how comfortable do you feel? I mean, if he's still suffering, I mean, you look at somebody like um, uh, Bruins forward Mark um, Mark Savard, Mark Savard, who still talks about suffering from a decade later from issues, uh, from, from symptoms uh, of concussion, uh, the headaches, the, the issues with the, with, with sight and with the, with, uh, with the, the halo and the eyes. And I mean, I get, I get migraines and I don't wish them on anybody, but it sounds to me like there's, this is beyond what I go through. And I don't, again, would not wish that on anyone. So good on them to recognize that it might be time to call it a day. I mean, some players would struggle with that. Some players hang on a little too long. And, you know, I always worry about them uh, when they get on the ice and they're just no longer competitive. They don't have the speed. They don't have the balance anymore. Um you know, Mark Recchi hung him up at the right time by at the start of the year, start of his final season. He looked OK by middle season. It was clear he was struggling to be competitive. Yeah. And, you know, the body was no longer willing or the body was no longer able. The other the other thing with these two players is that both of these injury, injuries were suffered Outside of a regular season game, or I mean, Hagelin was 
during a practice on on March 1st. He's been, you know, not playing for over a year. Uh, again, Eunice Donskoy preseason last year. Uh, is it something where we need to? There needs to be some kind of protection, or, or I mean, is it something worth looking at? Is it? I mean, they do everything they can. They've got visors. They've got uh, you know, they they they've required all players to wear helmets. They've. I mean, in in Hagelin's case, the stick, an errant stick, went through his visor. It tore the back of his eye. It tore through the back of his eye. Um. Maybe there's a quality control issue with that visor, but the fact that it went through the visor meant that the standard precautions were in place. Right. Okay. Um, maybe they need to look at upping the thickness or getting a hold of someone who does, uh, uh, you know, someone who's there's a term for the people who do plastics and I cannot remember what it is, but, someone with a material science background um, who can come up with something that's going to be about the same weight, allow for the similar or better uh, visibility and be a little more, a little, a little more resistant to impact. Um, Yeah, no, I, I just, I I know that like, when Chara came out, when he broke in his jaw in the playoffs and he came out later on in the game with the full face. And he talked about how having the whole face covered with the pla- with the Lexan or the Plexi or whatever it's made out of, it alters the vision like you can't he couldn't see down near his feet. The, like it the, the, also is a risk. Um, you can't make it, you can't limit visibility anymore. Like that has to be one of the obvious things and players of all ages will tell you that the cages do do that. And the curve in the, in the, uh, in the visors does that, um, someone needs to, but actual updating the material that the visors are made of. Maybe that's something that can be done uh, to provide a little bit more prote- protection. Yeah. I'd be inclined to agree. I think that I think that they do. A, I think they do a really good job. I mean, I know that they have the competition committee and they they go through things like the goalie pads and everything else. I think they do a really good job as far as making sure that the equipment is up to spec and does what it's supposed to do and, and protects the way it's supposed to protect. I, I just uh, it's just kind of surprising to me that both of these seem to happen not during game situations, but during practice and preseason. So. Uh, I think taking care of the material and finding a way to advance uh, the durability of the shield without limiting visibility any further um, should be one of those priorities that the NHL focuses on. Um, It's certainly not something that high school teams are going to have the money to fund the research for. Um, And the, just wish Carol Haglin and uh, Don Skoy uh, the best in their retirements. 
they could fund the research for improving the toughness of squeaky toys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is member of the team our, is put, our third member of the team is is adding his two cents there in the background. <laughs> and uh, his two cents is that someone needs to uh, come and play with him, which I don't disagree with. Um, we did a quick poll. How many games will Alex Chason play for the Bruins this year? Um, if uh, he makes the team off of the PTO, um, a pretty broad spread uh, across the voting, but uh, 41 plus only got 11.1% of the votes. 26 to 40 got 22.2, as did 1 to 10. Um, I genuinely see 1 to 10 as being the worst case for. Worst case for Chase on because it probably means he got injured. Um, and 11 to 25 isn't particularly good either, but that got 44.4% of the vote. Um, what's your gut telling you? Oh, if he makes the games, if he makes the team, I still, I get this feeling he's going to be spending some time in the ninth ring. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to I, I I mean, I'd like to see 40. I'd like to see 41 plus if he's going to come and professionally try out and he's good enough that he actually makes the squad. I'd like to see him get in there. He's still going to be a bottom six. He's still going to be a bottom six guy. Uh, I think it's going to be more than the 11 to 25. I mean, a. Interesting, interesting results on that one. I, I think it's going to be more than that, but uh, I got a bad feeling it's going to be like the 26 to 40. I think he's going to spend I think he's going to spend some time sitting on the ninth ring watching the games. Yeah, it's, I, I, I would put it in the 40 uh, like, yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be less than half the games, particularly if there's a couple of young forwards who are pushing. Um, for a roster spot who don't who can't quite be justified uh, handing you know a a posi- handing a roster spot to out of camp, um, which under Neely and Sweeney has been something they've eased players into, um, and Montgomery isn't particularly a aggressive coach when it comes to deploying young assets. Um, so. This, uh, Hockey Fans, is where we leave you. Um, We will be back next week. Um, Hopefully there will be a little more clarity on the PWHL. I wouldn't expect uh, anything on that until after the draft. (laughs) I'm trying to remain optimistic. I appreciate I can appreciate that. I'd like to see it. You're right. I would like to see it. I don't expect it. And um, hopefully we'll also see uh, a little bit of clarity on some of the injured players uh, who finished, who either had offseason surgery or finished the year on injured reserve. Um, Have a great week. Uh, Share the show with your friends, family, uh, random people on the street. Throw it up on your LinkedIn, your you're in your podcast, uh, share it on TikTok at least four times uh, and have a great week.